0: Friends and neighbors, welcome to the Bill Press Pod, and a special welcome to those of you joining us for the first time. Today, we bring you a very different kind of Bill Press Pod. No interview with a big newsmaker and no reporter's roundtable. Instead, a special report from me on a new book that goes on sale today, September 15th, but that's already created a political firestorm. Of course, you know what I'm talking about. Bob Woodward's new book on the Trump presidency called Rage. It's the most damning portrait of Donald Trump yet. It's full of bombshell revelations about Donald Trump's inept leadership on several fronts. And it's all based not on outside critics or anonymous White House staffers, but on Donald Trump himself in his own words and on tape. Now, I'm sure you haven't had a chance to read the book yet. As I said, you couldn't even buy a copy until today, Tuesday, September 15. So as an advance preview, I'd like to read for you today excerpts from the book on what I think are the four most damaging issues. But first, just a word about Bob Woodward you got to admit, and you have to understand, among journalists, Bob Woodward is in a class by himself. He is, without doubt, the best known and the best investigative journalist in America today, and probably in the whole world. You know that, of course... Woodward got his start back in 1972 when he and another young reporter, Carl Bernstein, uh, were assigned to the Watergate investigation by Ben Bradley, executive editor of The Washington Post. They investigated, they linked the Watergate burglary to Richard Nixon, the Oval Office, brought Richard Nixon down. He had to resign the presidency, and Bernstein and Woodward then went ahead with First, their first book called All the President's Men, which, of course, became a great movie with Robert Redford playing Bob Bob Woodward. Uh, That was Woodward's first book. He then went on to write 18 others, all bestsellers, won two Pulitzer Prizes, In none of those 19 books were the facts ever challenged. He got it all right. He's known for that. He's written books about every president, so of source, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and one book already by Donald Trump. Um, all of them very critical of their president's, uh, accurate portrayals. This book about Donald Trump, then, is number 20 for Bob Woodward. And for that book, Donald Trump gave Bob Woodward... 19 different interviews from December 2019 until August 2020, last month, a total of nine hours that Trump spent talking to Bob Woodward. So he's got his sources. He's got more sources than anybody else. And this one, he has the one source, Donald Trump, and he lays it out like nobody ever has before. Uh, The big question which uh, everybody's asking today is why Donald Trump would spend so much time dealing and talking to Bob Woodward, knowing that Bob Woodward was probably not going to write a puffy profile about him. It says a lot about Donald Trump at any rate. So let's look at the issues. Every page of this Woodward book will drive you crazy, because Donald Trump is wrong, so unbelievably wrong about so many things He doesn't have a clue, he says and does so many outrageous things, but four areas I find are the most explosive in this book. What Trump has to say about the military, number one, number two, his relationship with foreign dictators and murderers, number three, the Black Lives Matter movement, and of course, the coronavirus pandemic. So let's start with the military. now. I think it's significant that there are no members of the military quoted directly in this book. But you've got to remember that Woodward's book comes out two days after the Atlantic magazine reported that Donald Trump, back in the spring of 2017 on a visit to Paris, refused on a rainy day to go out and visit a World War I military cemetery just outside of Paris. Uh, He blamed it on the weather at the time, according to The Atlantic magazine. He said he didn't want to go to that cemetery in the first place because it was filled of American soldiers who died in World War I, who lost their lives in combat, Uh, and he said he called them losers and suckers. Trump denies that four anonymous sources are quoted in the Atlantic Magazine report. So the Woodward book again comes out two days after that. And two days after that same afternoon, Donald Trump went into the White House briefing room and asked about this criticism of the military, said, well, of course, he said, the top people in the Pentagon, I'm quoting now, the top people in the Pentagon don't don't like me because they want to fight wars so all of those wonderful companies that make the bombs and make the planes and make everything else will stay happy. Uh, In other words, he's blaming the military for being in favor of starting wars just to please the defense contractors. So then the Woodward book comes out. Again, no direct quotes From members of the military about Donald Trump. But Woodward does report that at the time, Defense Secretary James Mattis, General James Mattis, was so concerned about Donald Trump uh, and his um, tendency maybe to start a war in North Korea or to start a war in Iran, was so concerned about that Mattis would go to the National Cathedral, went there several times just to pray that things would not get worse, just to pray that Donald Trump would see the light. Woodward reports that uh, Gen- General Mattis told the head of the National def- the National def- um, Intelligence Agency, Dan Coats at the time, quote, There may come a time when we have to take collective action against Donald Trump because he told Dan Coats, quote, that Trump is dangerous and unfit. Mattis continued, quote, this again reported by Bob Woodward, the president has no moral compass. And director of national intelligence Dan Coats replied, quote, True. To him, a lie is not a lie. It's just what he thinks. He doesn't know the difference between the truth and a lie. And then the most damning part of the Woodward book when it comes to the military is that Woodward quotes Peter Navarro, the president's trade advisor. Navarro told Trump, told Woodward, that Donald Trump once told him. Quote, this is Donald Trump speaking, quote, not to mention my fucking generals are a bunch of pussies. They care more about their alliances than they do about trade deals. That's one quote that the White House, by the way, has not denied. So, just sort of summing up what we learned from the Woodward book about Donald Trump and the military, Donald Trump uh, often says, "I heard him say it again this week." "Quote: Nobody likes the military more than me. The truth is, nobody has badmouthed the military more than Donald Trump. He's got a history of badmouthing the military and a history of taking credit for stuff in the military that he had no business with." We remember. This is the guy who started out getting five deferments from service in the military, from having to go to Vietnam, five deferments based on bone spurs, which the daughter of the podiatrist who gave him that, um, um, that pass, if you will, those five passes, said that her father did this as a favor to Donald Trump's father, his friend Fred Trump. Uh, this is the guy who told Howard Stern once that he was proud he didn't go to Vietnam, and his personal Vietnam was having so much sex during the 70s and not getting any STDs. This is the same man who called John McCain a loser, who complained that uh, the Pentagon had, or someone in the White House had ordered that flags be lowered uh, to honor uh, John McCain when he died. Trump didn't like that. This is the same Donald Trump, according to Phil Rucker and Carol Lenning, uh, uh, and their book, we've interviewed them here on the Bill Press podcast, uh, who told the generals at the Pentagon, he would never want to go to war with them because they were so weak. And this is the president who 150 times has claimed and taken credit for the Veterans Choice Act, which allows veterans to go to another doctor if the VA is too backed up to uh, take care of them right away. Actually, Donald Trump had nothing to do with the Veterans Choice Act. It was signed by President Obama in 2014 and authored, by the way, by John McCain. And this is the president who claims that he badly, that he rebuilt the badly depleted military when, in fact, the military Budget increased every one of the eight years under President Obama. So it's no wonder that not one military leader has come out to defend Donald Trump with all these comments about the military uh, because they know that he is not their friend. They don't trust him. Uh, The relationship between Donald Trump and the Pentagon is tense at best. So that's uh, the Woodward book where it comes to adding, if you will. Uh, to information about Donald Trump's uh, b- um, relationship with the Pentagon. The second part of the Woodward book that I found pretty stunning was his openness about how much he likes dictators and thugs uh, around the world. That's one of the strangest parts of the of the behavior of Donald Trump that people that we once considered our friends, like Angela Merkel and Theresa May and Emmanuel Macron of France, um, Donald Trump doesn't get along with them, but he's buddy-buddy with Vladimir Putin and Erdogan in Turkey and Kim Jong-un in North Korea. So Woodward asks him about about this. The president had three meetings, we know, with Kim Jong-un. Uh, Did they accomplish anything Woodward wants to know? He said, you've gotten a lot of criticism that you had these meetings, but nothing happened. And Trump's response basically is, who cares? Here's this exchange. Donald Trump says, so I met. Big fucking deal. It takes me two days. I met. I gave up nothing. Well, in fact, uh, Woodward points out, uh, that Donald Trump give, did give up something, several things. He suspended uh, U.S. and South Korea military exercises, which have taken place every year. He did that as a favor to Kim Jong-un. And most importantly, he gave Kim Jong-un the recognition and the global platform and the international stature that Kim Jong-un has always wanted and could never achieve without Donald Trump. Um, so Donald Trump then Woodward asks, well, what about the fact that um, North Korea still has their nuclear weapons, didn't stop building nuclear weapons, didn't destroy the weapons they have, so didn't, in fact, Kim Jong-un win that exchange? Did, it didn't? Doesn't he come out the big winner? Here's Donald Trump's response, again, as reported by Bob Woodward. Quote, he says, you know... It's no big deal. It's really like, you know, somebody that's in love with a home and they just can't sell it. So Donald Trump, the developer, Donald Trump, the real estate executive, comparing it to somebody who's so in love with their home, they don't want to sell it. Kim Jong-un is so in love with his nuclear weapons, he doesn't get rid of, want to get rid of them, which is very, very far from Donald Trump's promise that he will um, achieve denuclearization of the Korean peninsula. How did Kim Jong-un pull this off? Bob Woodward reports. He did so by flattering Donald Trump. He learned the way to get to Donald Trump is by just laying it on and telling him how great he is. Donald Trump admits to Bob Woodward in the book that he was proud that Kim Jong-un actually called him your excellency. Donald Trump loved that. Kim Jong-un wrote Donald Trump a letter after one of the summits where he said he still had a precious memory of their meeting. This is Kim Jong-un, quote, that underscored how deep and special friendship between us will work as a magical force. (laughs) He laid it on. Donald Trump loved it. He lapped it up. uh, And then he told Bob Woodward about how awestruck he was at meeting Kim Jong-un. In fact, he said to to Woodward, quote, holy shit. Kim Jong-un, he described as far beyond smart. And he tells Woodward, Kim Jong-un tells me everything, including, he mentioned, Kim Jong-un telling him an account of how he had his uncle killed. Okay, here's a murderer telling telling Donald Trump all about it, and Donald Trump is impressed by it and likes him even more. So final question, which Bob Woodward asks is, what, what's up with this—you and all these dictators? Uh, and Donald Trump admits he likes them better than any of the good guys, if you will. Here is Donald Trump about these kind of relationships. That, I get along very well with even though you're not the Donald Trump says, explain that to me someday. Okay, I'll explain it before we move on. I'll explain it. He likes them. Why? Because they're the dictator that he not so secretly wants to be. They're ruthless. They're brutal. They operate above the law. In other words, they do whatever they want, which is exactly what Donald Trump tries to do, wants to do, is determined to do as president of the United States. All right, moving on to what I really found the most shocking part of the Bob Woodward book uh, are his comments about the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, even after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmed Armory, I mean, this happened, of course, these conversations before we knew about Daniel Prude uh, and Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, Donald Trump dismissing any importance of the Black Lives Matter movement, dismissing the fact that maybe there's a message there that all Americans should be aware of. This, um, the, maybe the, again, the most troubling part of the book, this amazing exchange between Donald Trump and Bob Woodward. So, Bob Woodward asks the president, Do you think there is systematic or institutional racism in this country. This is back in June 19, by the way. And Donald Trump says, quote, Well, I think there is everywhere. I think probably less here than in most places, or less here than in many places. Woodward, okay, but is it here in a way that it has an impact on people's lives? Trump admits, quote, I think it is, and it's unfortunate, but I think it is. And then this stunning exchange, where Bob Woodward wants to know, um, and I really credit Bob Woodward for raising this point and admitting that he Woodward grew up um, as a white man with all the advantages that he would have that he had in this society, living a the privileged life that. White people do live in this country. And he asked Trump whether he thinks that that life of privilege left him, like it left Bob Woodward, out of touch with the pain and suffering that black people experience. Here is, again, I think the most troubling exchange in the Bob Woodward book. Do you have any sense that that privilege has isolated and put you in a cave to a certain extent Is it put me and I think lots of white privileged people in a cave and that we have to work our way out of it to understand uh, the anger and the pain particularly black people feel in this country. Do you no, s- you, you really drank the Kool-Aid, didn't you? Listen to you. Wow. No, I don't feel that at all. It's hard to believe how clueless, hard to believe how insensitive Donald Trump is to this entire phenomenon uh, of the Black Lives Matter movement in this country, which has touched so many Americans uh, and driven so many Americans to say, "Okay, this is a time when we've got to do something about systemic racism in this country. But not Donald Trump. No, Donald Trump still insists that he has done more for blacks than any other president since Abraham Lincoln, which is ludicrous, which is outrageous. I mean, just mention Lyndon Johnson signing the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. What's Donald Trump done? But Donald Trump complains that having done so much for blacks, he isn't getting any credit for it. On July 8, in the book, he tells Bob Woodward, quote, I've done a tremendous amount for the black community. And honestly, I'm not feeling any love. Uh, As to the first African-American president, Barack Obama, Donald Trump says, maybe we should not be surprised to hear this. I still was that he would say it so openly. Uh, He tells Bob Woodward, quote, about Barack Obama, quote, I don't think Obama's smart. I think he's highly overrated. And I don't think he's a great speaker, end quote. And then Trump goes on, he has to do this, to tell Bob Woodward that, by the way, Kim Jong-un thinks Barack Obama's an asshole. Why would he do that? Because I think he is an outright racist. Donald Trump has always been a racist, a racist all of his life starting back to when the Department of Justice sued Donald Trump and his father for refusing to rent apartments to black families in the Queens. This is the same Donald Trump who, of course, led the birther movement, questioning the legitimacy of Barack Obama's presidency for five years. The same Donald Trump who praised the white supremacists in Charlottesville. The same Donald Trump who today is running an outright racist campaign uh, warning Americans that if Joe Biden is elected, the blacks will create and take over America's cities and, uh, and burn them to the ground and move into the suburbs uh, and burn the suburbs to the ground. Outright racist campaign. And the same uh, Donald Trump who clearly, clearly is insanely jealous of Barack Obama, I think, because he knows that history will show that Barack Obama was one of our best presidents, and history will show that Donald Trump was our absolute worst. So, on the military, on uh, thugs and dictators, and on the Black Lives Matter movement, the Woodward book on Donald Trump, the Woodward book called Rage. By the way, uh, a link to buy the book will be found in the episodes to, uh, the link to this episode of the Bill Press Pod now let's move on to the coronavirus but first let's take a break here on the Bill Press Pod and today's podcast about Bob Woodward's new book uh controversial new book called Rage is brought to you by the Laborers Union of North America or LYUNA under the leadership of President Harry O'Sullivan the Laborers Union is a real powerhouse in this country, over half a million members, active in construction industry, uh, construction business, building America's infrastructure, rebuilding America's infrastructure, our bridges, our roads, and our water treatment plants, active in the energy field, building solar panels and wind turbines and pipelines as well. All, again, members of the Laborers Union. Check out their website, liuna Dot .org liuna.org. we thank them for the good work and thank them for the support of the bill press pod have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad free good news with amazon music you have access to the largest catalog of ad free top podcasts included with your prime membership to start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash podcasts That's amazon.com slash podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. And we're back with our uh, exclusive look here at Bob Woodward's new book comes out today. You've heard a lot about it, but it just comes out today. September 15, it's called Rage. And the most attention of Woodward's book and the most timely matter discussed in Woodward's book, of course, are Donald Trump's comments on the coronavirus uh, pandemic still, still a scourge on this country today. It's interesting that uh, Donald Trump admits he first heard about the coronavirus on January 3rd. This was long before anybody knew about it, long before any of us had heard of it. He had heard about it, told about it at the White House back on January 3rd. And then on January 28th, the national security advisor, Robert O'Brien, told the president in the Oval Office, you better watch out because this coronavirus He said, quoting Robert O'Brien, quote, will be the biggest national security threat you will face in your presidency. He told Donald Trump that it could be as bad as the flu pandemic of 1918, which killed 50 million people worldwide. And 10 days later, Donald Trump, in a conversation with Bob Woodward, first told Woodward how how dangerous the virus was and how people would get it. We'll see later, far from what—just exact opposite of what he was telling the public. But this is Donald Trump to Bob Woodward about how people would get the coronavirus. You just breathe the air, and that's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your, even your strenuous flus. This is deadly stuff. So there's Donald Trump about how deadly this is. And yet, just a couple of days later, Donald Trump went out to the White House briefing room with his coronavirus task force and told the American people, Don't have to worry about this. I'm paraphrasing, but don't have to worry about it, basically. It's no worse than the flu. It'll soon disappear. It will just miraculously go away. And, quote, we have it totally under control. Totally under control. Again, just the opposite of what he'd been told in the White House, just the opposite of what he told Bob Woodward on February 7. And then later, why this, why this uh, difference between what he was saying publicly and privately? On March 19, Donald Trump t- told Bob Woodward, this is no accident. I was deliberately playing it down. Listen to this exchange. Donald Trump to Bob Woodward, March 19. Bob really to be honest with you Sure, I want you to I be. wanted to uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, yeah, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. Okay. So he says he didn't want to create a panic. By the way, what what an outrageously weak excuse for any leader. What if the fire officials in California said Well, we didn't tell people to evacuate when this fire was, uh, the wildfires were sweeping down on their communities and likely to wipe them out and destroy their homes uh, because we didn't want people to be worried. We We didn't want to create a panic. We didn't want to scare people. I mean, if they had done that, we would be condemning them outright. And rightfully so, we ought to be condemning Donald Trump for the same lame excuse. But again, at the same time, Donald Trump was out there telling the public Um, Quote, here's, for example, on February 10, Bob Woodward reports, Donald Trump says, quote, a lot of people think that this goes away in April with the heat, as the heat comes in. And on March 25, Donald Trump again publicly said, nobody would ever believe a thing like that is possible. Nobody could have ever seen something like this coming. But again, back on—that was March 25. Back on January 28, Donald Trump had been told by his national security adviser that this was the biggest national threat that he would face in his presidency and could be as bad as the flu pandemic of 1918. And yet, again, privately, with with Bob Woodward, Donald Trump talking to Bob Woodward, He's admitting all the time how serious he is. On April 13, Donald Trump to Bob Woodward goes so far as to call the coronavirus, compare it to the plague. Listen to this exchange. It's a killer if it gets you. If you're the wrong person, you don't have a chance. Yes, yes, exactly. That's a monster. This is a scourge. And there's the plague. again, compares it to the plague privately and yet publicly all the time, putting it down, saying it's basically no big deal. And in his very last interview with Bob Woodward on August 14, this is just a month ago, Donald Trump called Bob Woodward to ask him if he could put a couple of more things in the book. By this time, the book was done, There was no way to add anything. But in that conversation on August 14, which Bob Woodward has again on tape, speaking of the coronavirus, Donald Trump told Bob Woodward, quote, nothing more could be done. Think about that. Nothing more could be done, says Donald Trump. Nothing more could be done? Well, how about, first of all, acknowledging how serious the coronavirus was? How about warning the American people? How about summoning the American people to make the kind of sacrifices that was necessary uh, to put down this and get on top of this pandemic? How about setting an example by wearing a mask or social distancing? How about listening to the health experts? How about leading and inspiring the public uh, instead of attacking governors for doing the right thing? by asking people to stay indoors and closing down, shutting down restaurants and many, many businesses. Um, How about doing the right thing rather than encouraging the protesters who went out to the state capitals to attack the governors for doing what the health experts had suggested and asked them to do? How about showing a little empathy for the many, many millions of families that have lost lives in this country? because of the coronavirus uh, lost family members, instead of just saying, well, it is what it is, which Donald Trump uh, said about um, 100,000 Americans dying. How about stopping to defy science and by holding indoor rallies even today? Yeah, there was a lot more Donald Trump could have done, uh, but he didn't, and yet, as we speak today, almost 200,000 Americans have died of the coronavirus which is 66 times the number of Americans that died on September 11. Again, the most shocking part of the uh, Bob Woodward book called Rage. It is so disturbing a book, yet so powerful. A must read, I believe, for all Americans. see how you could read this book or even know about this book and still vote for Donald Trump. A link to buying the book will be found in the episode in the notes to this episode of the of the uh, Bill Press pod. Um, And finally, maybe the most very, the most powerful part of this powerful book comes at the very, very end where Bob Woodward does something for the very first time in 20 books. He takes off his journalist hat and he puts on his hat as an American citizen. And he ends the book with a very, very strong line that he says he came to because of the overwhelming evidence about how unfit Donald Trump is for the job of president. I'll let Bob Woodward tell us in his own words how he concludes the book. I say the president is the wrong man for the job. There it is, the final statement by Bob Woodward in his book, rage, quote, the president is the wrong man for the job. To which we can only add, thank you, Bob Woodward. Amen. And that's it for this special edition of the Bill Press Pod. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Thursday this week, not Friday, with our reporters' roundtable. Uh, so don't forget to catch us then with Niall Standage and Nikki Schwab and Ginger Gibson. Meanwhile, stay strong, stay safe, stay sane, and come back and see us on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.